This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. All right. So um, as many of you guys may have seen on uh, social media this week and stuff, we are super excited. And I mentioned it last week um, to have a guest speaker with us today. Um, our guest speaker is Lindsay Fisher Sullivan. Yeah, hey. Um, she's been Lindsay Fisher my whole life, and now she's a Lindsay Fisher Sullivan, and so it's, I have to remember that part. Um, but, you know, we, we do these packing parties every month, and we put the AWOL tabs out there, and you guys grab them, and you bring the, the, the stuff for the meals and the lunches and all that, and then we pack them out in the lobby together, and you guys have been such an awesome, awesome presence in that ministry, and so I want you guys to know that Lindsay is actually the founder of AWOL. She's the one who, like, dreamed the whole thing up and organized, hey, don't clap yet, I'm not done. You got to clap for her in just a minute. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But she's a founder. She's the original. She, she like put this whole thing together. It was birthed out of her uh, passion and, and some of the things that she heard and, and responded to. And it was absolutely incredible. And it's been going for, what, seven years? Seven years, which is awesome. We've been on board for a lot of that time. And so I'm really excited that we had the opportunity to get her here and to speak with us today. And so she's finishing up our identity series and all of that. So if you were here last week, it'll kind of set the stage. If you weren't, It'll still be awesome, and it'll be great. And so will you join me in welcoming Lindsay Fisher-Sullivan? Come on now. The whole name change has been getting me in a lot of trouble lately because I actually haven't legally changed my name yet. And a lot of people just assume that I've changed my name because it's changed on Facebook, right? And so this last week, I was in San Antonio. My nephew graduated from the Air Force, and they were giving me a pass to get onto the base. And my sister said my name was Lindsay Fisher Sullivan, but my name's really just Lindsay Fisher right now. And so I went to the base, and they wouldn't let me on because that's not actually what my ID says. My ID says Lindsay Fisher. And so it's fitting that we're in an identity series because your identity is really what gives you permission to enter into something. You know what I'm saying? I love the identity of this church. I love the identity of Central Church because when Central Church was first getting started, the first thing that Pastor Sam and Pastor Amber said that they wanted to be passionate about was not just being a church in a four-wall building, but actually being a church in the city that surrounded them. And I'm so thankful that AWOL has been a part of that. And this month actually signifies 5,000 meals that this church family and this church community have provided for victims of sex trafficking right here in your own backyard. And so give yourselves a round of applause because 5,000 is a huge milestone. And I say it's a huge milestone because no other church has provided this many meals to our, our ministry. No other church body has been on board with us this long to, to donate 5,000 meals. And so y'all are making a difference and you're changing lives. And what you guys do on the last Monday of every single month is, is just touching lives for eternity. And what it's doing is it's communicating value and worthiness, but it's also communicating identity into a lot of individuals that have lost that identity, have a confused identity, or just really don't even know who they are and whose 
they are in Jesus. And so I'm so excited to share with all of you this morning and continue and close out your identity series because this morning I'm sharing about what your identity gives you in the form of a calling and what you do with that calling and how it mobilizes you to make a difference. See, last week, Pastor Sam shared on how you're loved, how you're forgiven, and how you're redeemed, and how your identity is in Christ Jesus, how God made you in his image, how that identity is perfected because of what Jesus did for you. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, gosh, this, she's going to talk about a calling, I have no idea what my calling is. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be mobilized. And so I just want to start by saying that every single one of us have the same calling. The primary calling of a Christian believer is to share the good news of Jesus. We're all called to lead people to Jesus. And so every single one of us in this room this morning, we're leaders. We're called to lead people to Christ. That's the whole, that's the whole basis of the Great Commission, is that we're called to be mobilized in that calling, to share the giftings and the callings that Jesus has for us, to share with people the good news that they're loved, they're forgiven, they're believed, and they're redeemed through Jesus and what he did for them. And so it would be, it would be easy for people to say that, oh, she's just called to end sex trafficking. But I'm not called to end sex trafficking. I'm called to take the good news of the gospel to victims of sex trafficking. It's that calling of what Jesus has done to me that God invites me to take to certain people. And so this morning we're going to talk about your calling. We're going to talk about how your identity mobilizes you and what the Lord has done for you. And I'm going to share from a story that I think a lot of us might be familiar with, but I'm hoping to give you a fresh perspective. And I'm going to be sharing about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and how Jesus knew everything about this woman, and yet he chose to use her anyway. And the first part that I'd like to talk about is how Jesus is our qualifier, you know, from a Jewish perspective, back in the day when Jesus was carrying out his ministry here on earth, from a Jewish perspective, this woman at the well came to the well with three strikes against her. Before she even took her first step walking to that well, she had three strikes against her. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know how you woke up this morning, and I don't know what you've been carrying, but some of you might feel like you have some strikes against you. Some of you might feel like there's something that has hindered you from carrying out the call, that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy enough, that there's certain things that have disqualified you from carrying out the Great Commission, from carrying out your calling in this world. And I want to let you know that Jesus is your qualifier. See, this woman, her first strike was just that. She was a woman. It was her very first strike. See, from a Jewish perspective, for a man to even speak to a woman in public, it was unheard of. The very fact that Jesus had a public conversation with this woman, most would call it heresy. Most would say that, that he was disqualified. Most would say, who even is this man? Why is he talking to this woman in public? Jewish men weren't even allowed to talk to their wives in public at this time. That's how serious this was. Even later on in the story, when the disciples come up to Jesus at the well, it says in Scripture, in verse 27 of John chapter 4, it says that the disciples marveled at the very fact that Jesus was talking to a woman in public. So that's strike one. Strike two is that she's a Samaritan. So what does that mean? 
It basically means that back in the day, there was the Jews and the Gentiles. Well, she was on the wrong side back then. The very fact that she was a Samaritan, in Jesus' day, there was bitter hospitality between the Jews and the Samaritans. Even the woman said to Jesus in verse 9, she said, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why can I ask you for a drink? She's even like, what is this guy doing? Why is he talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. Her background disqualified her. She didn't pick to be born in Samaria. She didn't choose to come from where she came from. She didn't pick the background she was born into, but it disqualified her in that day. That's strike two. Strike three is that she's immoral. I think in some um, facet, every single one of us could be considered immoral at some point in our lives. Immoral in our thoughts, immoral in our actions, immoral in the way that we talk or talk about other people. This woman's immoral. See, the fact is, in verse 18, Jesus says to her, you've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with isn't even your husband. And back in the day, divorce hadn't even been invented yet. People weren't separating from their husbands. Wives weren't leaving their husbands. This wasn't, an, this wasn't normal. This wasn't common. But more than that, it wasn't acceptable. So not only did she do it once or twice or three times or four times or five times, here she is on her sixth man. So not only is Jesus talking to a Sumerian woman, he's talking to an immoral Sumerian woman. Strike three. See, but here's the thing. That well, it changed everything for her. And it changed everything for us. And we might think that this is just a small part of history, but this woman led an entire city to Jesus. This, this woman with three strikes against her, this immoral woman. I don't know how many of you in this room feel like you have three strikes against you. Maybe six, maybe nine, 12, 27, 72, 180. How many strikes against you? You know, sometimes I feel like we come to Jesus and we just feel so unworthy. Like there's so many strikes against us. How could God ever use our lives to make a difference in this world? There's not even a point to understanding what being mobilized for Jesus is because we're so unworthy of the calling. But here's the thing. No matter how many strikes against you there are, Jesus is your qualifier. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can work towards. There's nothing you can earn that can make you qualified. And Jesus, Jesus is your qualifier. The cross is your qualifier. There's nothing you can do to work to that. And so this woman at the well, she wasn't qualified. You might even argue that she wasn't worthy. But Jesus still chose to meet her. See, Jesus meets us where we're at. He always starts with where we're at. He doesn't start with where we're going. He doesn't wait for us to clean our acts up. He doesn't wait for us to clean it up, to get our strikes behind us before he starts using our lives, before he starts using our strikes for his glory. Jesus just looks at us and he says, I love you exactly where you are. There's nothing else that you can do that's going to make me change my mind. There's nothing else you can do that's going to make me love you more. 
I'm going to meet you right where you are. See, I believe that this entire encounter at the well was set up from the, from the very point of time. I believe that Jesus knew that he was going to meet this woman. I think he knew that she was going to be at the well, and that's why he was waiting for her. See, Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee. And if you look on the map, from Judea to Samaria to Galilee was not the fastest route to get to where he was going. Jesus went out of his way to go into a country that he wasn't even welcomed at yet. Here he was going into Samaria. No one respected him. No one cared about him. No one believed that he was the Messiah. So why did he go out of his way? I believe he went out of his way because this woman needed to know that she was called no matter where she had been, no matter what she had done, that God still had a plan and, his, and a purpose for her life. Now, you might think that's a little extreme. Why would the God of the universe go out of his way to meet this Sumerian immoral woman with strike after strike after strike against her? Well, I believe that the reason that he did that is the same reason that he does that for every single one of us. Why he goes out of his way for every single one of us. While he moves and, and plans and purposes and positions us to make a difference for his kingdom and for his glory. See, it says in scripture that Jesus was exhausted from a day of travel. And so he sent his disciples off so he was alone. And he went to Jacob's well. See, Jacob's well is, is actually a very prominent point in history. This well was, was passed down from generation to generation, all the way leading back to Abraham. So this is a historical site that he's about to meet this immoral woman at a very, very important spot. And it says that Jesus sits down next to this well, and he's leaning up against it, and he's resting. And here's this woman you know, I can't help but think about her walk to the well. You know, it's not referenced in Scripture. Scripture just fast-forwards to the fact that she's at the well. But I think about this woman, and I think about her life. And society back then was really, really demeaning of anyone that looked different than you, anyone that lived different than you. Kind of like how society still is today. Everybody has an opinion about what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. And I think about this woman and how she had to have been leaving her home and how uneasy she had to feel going outside her home, just being recognized and noticed in her own hometown. Everyone was going to look at her. Everyone was going to stare. But she had to go and get water. She had to go and get the very thing that sustains her life. And so I, I can't think about this woman and what she was carrying to the well. You know, physically she's carrying a jug because you have to fill up the water. But what was she carrying to the well emotionally in her heart? What are we carrying to our wells? What emotional grievances are we holding on to that we're carrying to the well where Jesus is waiting for us? What are we afraid that people are going to know about us and stare at us funny? What's inside of us that people are going to be whispering? So people love to talk. 
What was inside of her? What dreams had she been dreaming that she'd just forgotten about? I've had too many strikes against me. I can't do that dream. I have too many strikes against me. This Messiah that everybody is talking about, he wouldn't ever even look at me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I've made mistake after mistake after mistake. There's no calling in heaven that God could give me that I could live out because of all that I've done. So she's walking to this well. And I think a lot of us, we're walking to our wells and we're carrying. What are we carrying? Shame? Disappointment? Loneliness? Anger? Resentment? What are we carrying to our own wells that's holding us back from living out the calling that God has for our lives? What was she carrying? See, Jesus was already at the well when she got there. And I think that's a really important part of scripture that a lot of us overlook. Jesus was already there. A lot of times I think we we walk around and we're looking like, God, where are you? Jesus. Jesus, where are you? Jesus is already there. He's just waiting for us to walk to him. He's just waiting for us to show up. He's just waiting for us to come with our water jugs, with our shame, with our dirt, with our strikes. He's waiting for us. See, God always starts with where, you're, where you are, not with where you're, where you're not. He knew this woman would come to the well looking for water. He knew about her history. He knew about her strikes, her decisions, her transgressions. Jesus knew everything about her, and yet he wanted to use her anyway. See, we don't know, we don't even know her name. We don't know how old she was. We don't know what she looked like. We don't know what she was carrying. But we know that God met her in the ordinary and transformed this ordinary encounter And created her for something extraordinary. And I want to let you know this morning that we're just an ordinary people apart from God. We're just ordinary. We don't have anything special to offer the world. But with Jesus, we can make the ordinary extraordinary. We can make anything possible with Jesus on our side. So here's this ordinary, striked out woman who's walking to the well. And Jesus is looking at her and he's saying, you will be extraordinary. And I believe that that's what God is saying to all of us this morning. We're called to be extraordinary. There's nothing apart from the gospel. Everything Jesus did for us makes us and qualifies us and equips us to be an extraordinary people. See, I just think about the dreams that this woman had in her heart. You know, so many of us have dreams in our hearts. Dreams from when we were little kids. Dreams even now that we've been thinking on and sitting on that we haven't actually moved on. And I think about this woman and how she might have had all these dreams. And a little bit of them died at the first husband. And a little bit more died at the second. And a little bit more died at the third and the fourth and the fifth. And here she is at the sixth. And she's had dreams that she can't even remember anymore because she feels like she's got so much shame tied up to her. She doesn't even recognize herself anymore. 
I think so many of us wait for our calling and we look for things to validate us. Don't we live in a culture of validation? We want everybody to validate what we're doing, like our Instagram, share our Facebook posts. We live in such a culture, in such a society where we're looking for instant validation. Do you think I look pretty? Do you think I'm smart? Do you like the clothes I'm wearing? Am I preaching loud enough for you? We're always looking for validation. Well, this woman had nothing left. She had nothing left to offer the world. She had nothing left to give to anybody. But here's the thing. When you come into your calling with Jesus, there's no validation on earth that will ever satisfy you the way that Jesus is going to satisfy you. And this woman, she got satisfied through this encounter with Jesus. She got satisfied with this encounter of the Lord. When I think about the Samaritan woman, I think about the women that we reach out to on outreach. Entangled in prostitution, covered in shame and unworthiness. But as much as I think about them, I think about us. I think about me. We're all the same. Our strikes just look a little bit different. We're all carrying something. It just looks a little bit different. But we all have a calling. We all are called to lead people to Jesus. And it's not enough to have a calling. It's not enough to know that you're supposed to live out the Great Commission. It's not enough that you know that you're supposed to lead people to Jesus and bring them to the gospel. But we have to be mobilized in that. The very word mobilization is an act. It's telling you to do something. The Great Commission, the first word is what? Go. It's an act. It's telling you move, do something, go, make disciples, baptize them. Here's this woman, and she's at the well, and Jesus tells her everything about herself. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like Jesus can read me up and down. There's not even a point of going into prayer acting like I've got it together. He knows I don't. He knows that I'm searching. He knows I'm seeking and I'm knocking. He knows I'm messed up. God's not intimidated by that. But here's this woman and Jesus asked her for a drink of water. Jesus is asking all of us for a drink of water. I think so often we're so sidetracked by just getting the water up the well and pouring it in the jug, getting the water up the well and pouring it in the jug, getting the water up the jug and pouring it in the jug, that we don't realize what we're pouring into. We've forgotten because we're just so mundane, stuck. She's doing the same thing. We're coming to church, but we're not serving. We've been sitting in the pews, but we're not giving. We've been coming every single week, but I'm not moved. I'm going to sit during worship because I'm just, I don't really like the songs they're playing. We are just pulling up the water, and we're pouring it in the jug. When Jesus has called us to be a mobilized people, see, the time is now. What do I do with this calling? What do I do with the Great Commission? How is that even relevant to who I am today? What does the Great Commission have to do with me? That's old news. See, Jesus said to her, he said, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you, and I am the one you are looking for. Did you catch that? Jesus said, you don't have to wait any longer. See, when I first started AWOL, 
Man, I, I did not want to start a nonprofit. There is nothing alluring to me about building something. There is nothing alluring to me when I was 23 years old about giving up my life for the sake of others. I wanted to graduate college. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a million babies. Like, there was nothing alluring to me to working hard and making a difference. And so I said, God, I'll start AWOL when I graduate college. Better yet, I'll start AWOL when I get married because I'll do better in ministry if I got a man. No, 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 no. I actually want to be a mom too, God, so I'm going to start AWOL after I have babies. Well, as Pastor Sam shared with you, AWOL just turned seven. Well, I graduated from college four years ago. AWOL just turned seven, but I just got married 18 months ago. AWOL just turned seven, but I just had my first baby eight months ago. But AWOL just turned seven, and can you imagine all of the missed opportunities that would have been waiting at the well had I not acted on the calling that God provided me with? Can you imagine all of the victims of sex trafficking that would be waiting for us to pull up to them and communicate their worthiness and their value had I waited for what I felt would be the timing? See, the time is now. You don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking to you. God is speaking to you through his word, through his Bible. You don't have to wait any longer. Man, my life, it would have been so different if I moved, if I prolonged that mobilization. So I said it in the beginning, but I really want to reiterate it to you because I'm no different than you. I'm not called to end sex trafficking. I'm called to bring the gospel and the good news of Jesus to victims of sex trafficking. We're all called to bring the good news to a people. What's your people? What's in your jug? What kind of water are you carrying? Who are the people that God would have for you? Where are you sharing the good news? The Great Commission says, go. Where are we going? We have this identity, and it's perfected us through the blood of the Lamb. But where are we going? Where are we taking it? What are we doing with it? What are we doing with the water in our jugs? See, Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 4, as the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is the harvest time. For the hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms the saying, one who sows the seed and another reaps the harvest. I have sent you out to a harvest, a field that you haven't planted where many others have labored long and hard before you, and now you are privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. Now I'm going to break that down a little bit. See, Jesus is at the well with this woman, and he tells her everything about herself. And she realizes, she connects the dots, her eyes are opened for the first time. This is the Messiah. Oh my gosh, this is you. This is who they've been talking about. This is the Messiah. This is the King of Kings. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the prophecy fulfillment right in front of me. Oh my gosh, this is Jesus. 
And what does she do? She drops her jug. She runs back to the city where Jesus isn't even welcomed at. And she tells everyone, all of these people in the city have looked past her, dismissed her, disregarded her, shamed her. And she says, I met Jesus. He's the son of God. He's come to set us free. And he's here in our city. And all of these people come. And they get saved and they get baptized in this whole town that Jesus wasn't even supposed to be walking into because it wasn't convenient on the part of his journey. Gets set free because of this woman with strike after strike after strike after strike. She took her calling and she delivered it. She was mobilized and she went into the city and she told them, this is what Jesus has done for me. That's what mobilization looks like for all of us. This is what Jesus has done for us. It's going and it's telling. You see, when I allow my mind to wander and all that could have been or should have been, all that I wish had been, nothing in the world compares to sacrificing my 20s to building a ministry that's now reaching thousands upon thousands upon thousands of victims of sex trafficking and telling them the same thing that Jesus told this woman. You don't have to wait any longer. The time is now. The anointed one is here. See, it says, why would you say that the harvest is another four months away? Why would any of us say that? What's in four months? What are we, and more importantly, the better question is, what are we missing between now and the end of four months? How many people are going to walk by us? How many opportunities are we going to have to share the good news of Jesus? Why would you say the harvest is in another four months? The harvest is now. That's what being mobilized is all about. It's the now. It's the here. It's the ready. It's the let's go. There's this woman walking to the well with nothing to offer the world. And God says, you're called. Go and tell people. And all these people come to Jesus. And this trip that was only meant to be a small detour goes on for days. And people just keep coming and hearing about the good news because this woman acted. See, they went on, the disciples went on, and they gave this woman a name. They called her Fotini. And Fotini means the enlightened one. How beautiful it is when the lost are enlightened with the word of a saving God, with the grace of God, with the redemption of God. When I think about our identity, I think about the knowledge that God gives to us and how we're enlightened to that truth. We're enlightened to what Christ brings to us. We're enlightened by the kingdom. I'm going to invite the band to come up and as they're coming up, I just want to, I want us to think about our jugs. What's in them? What does our water look like? What are we carrying? Are you the person that's walking to the well in shame? Are you the person that's at the well and you're filling up the water and you're putting in the jug and you're filling up the water and you're putting it in the jug and you're not looking around at what's going on around you in the world? Are you the person that's looking at Jesus and you're trying to understand what your calling looks like? Or are you the person that's dropping your jug and you're running and you're telling everybody about who God is?
I believe that we're all of those people at different points in our lives. It's intermixing. Sometimes we're the person that's walking to the well. Sometimes we are carrying our shame. Sometimes we are looking for the rescue. Sometimes we are burdened by strike after strike after strike. Sometimes we are caught in the mundane parts of life where we're just filling up water. Just filling up water. But I think we're all invited to have that eye-to-eye conversation with Jesus. Where Jesus tells us who he sees us as. Where Jesus looks us in the eyes and he says, I don't care about strike after strike after strike. What I care about is that you know that I love you. What I care about is that you know that your identity is in me. What I care about is that you know that your shame doesn't disqualify you. See, we come to Jesus and we're broken and we're hurting, but he uses us anyway. And may we be a people that takes that truth and we run and we tell and we go and we move and we act. Because I can't tell you, there's nothing in the world that compares in my life to looking a woman in the eyes on outreach with all worthy of love. This woman at the well, and she's covered in shame. And sometimes she doesn't even wanna hold my hand because she just feels so dirty. There's nothing in the world that compares to looking her in the eyes and saying, you're Fotini, you're the enlightened one. God has come to set you free. He's not mad at you. He hasn't forgotten you. He loves you 100%, 100% of the time. There's nothing you can do that's going to make the well run out of water. You can sit there as long as you need to. God's going to keep filling it. He's going to keep pouring that water in there. He's going to keep inviting you into his kingdom, into his freedom, into his redemption. Because your identity is in him. And his identity, it never runs out. It's always on time. It's always free. And it always has a plan and a purpose behind it. And so as we go back into worship, we're going to sing a song. Just kind of like the overflowing love of God and the grace of God. And while we're singing that song, I just want you to visualize your jugs. Visualize the water that you're carrying. And just ask God, where can I take this water and give it to somebody that needs it? Where can I take this water to a lost and a hurting world? Where can I bring this jug of water and make a difference? God, what does my calling look like? And I believe that if not even for today, that God's going to reveal that to you. And you're going to make a difference in this world because you're children of God. And he has a plan and a purpose for each one of your lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.